Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. If I activate my Holy Spirit-inspired imagination when reading this passage in John 14, I can maybe put myself there. I'm with the disciples just hearing Jesus, the guy who just washed our feet, who told Judas to go and do what he was prepared to do, who told Peter that he was going to portray Jesus, the guy we believe is going to be the next ruler. And in our mental map, in our simple thinking, it's this Messiah, Jesus, that's going to die. I can imagine that we're confused and Jesus knows the level of our emotional toil. Uh, he knows what we're going through and, and I'm sure it shows on our faces, yeah? So many things are going on. He's saying things like, this is my body, eat it. And this is my blood, drink it. I mean, he got undressed and washed our feet like a servant. We, we, we've seen miracles, right? We've performed miracles. We've listened to his teaching, and all the while we've been soaking up the lessons that he's been sharing with us through parables. And so Jesus tells us, don't worry. Don't let your hearts be troubled. And that's a bold statement because things are about to get a lot worse before they get better. How do we take this, right? How do we respond? We want all of the winning and none of the suffering. I know that if my wife is stressed out about something, the best thing that I can say to her is just calm down. <laughs> that has always been effective. Um, so if you need some advice on how to calm down a woman who's upset... Don't listen to me on that, because that will not work, and you will find yourself... Anyway, okay, don't let that one fall to the ground. But Jesus does this thing. He encourages them to use the same belief that they have in God and believe in him too. Believe in Jesus the way you believe in God. But, but what does that mean? And how do they do that? Jesus does one better. He tells them in the most gentle way that there's still hope. It's this hope that he wants them to cling to. This is the hope that Jesus wants us also to cling to. I have a friend back in PA that called not too long ago, and she called me because her mother has terminal cancer, and her mother is stressed because she's not sure about the next phase of life. She is wrestling with what is to come. And so my friend wants me to talk to her mother. What, what, do, I, what do I say to her? Right? What do you say to a woman like that? I mean, believe in Jesus. 
That's one of the things you would say, is believe in Jesus. And, and how do you believe in Jesus, though, if your body is riddled through with cancer? What hope does she have? My, my job as clergy, I've been told, is to help people to die well. My calling is to serve the people of God and invite them into the family of God through Jesus. And this Jesus makes another bold statement. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Talk about definitive, right? I mean, that's a pretty divisive statement. We, <laughs> we, us, we want to call the shots. We want to know that we can determine how to get to the Father. We want to plot our own course, and then we want to ask Jesus, hey, can you just bless what I'm doing? Right? I've got some plans. Can you just sprinkle some anointing on that? In, in our non-Holy Spirit-inspired imagination, we can see better the life that we'd like to have over what God would have planned for us. I have another friend who was preaching from this passage this morning as well, uh, and we were just kind of talking about illustrations. I was listening to him. I was like, so what are you going to preach on? What illustrations are you going to use? And he said, I'm going to use a train. And I was like, me too. <laughs> he said, there, there's this route, right? And you buy a ticket for a train because you're trying to go to a destination. You can't just buy a ticket because you feel like you want to do something and you want that ticket to then bend to your feelings. While feelings are valid, the ticket is more valid. Yeah? We, my wife and I just flew to Rwanda recently, and I promise you that our ticket was the only way we were going to get to Rwanda. Like, I could have feelings about how I wanted the flight to go, but I am not in charge. Mine is to say, all right, well, what seat do I sit in, right? And uh, what headphones do I put on, and, and can I stretch my legs out? Thankfully, we had bulkheads, so there was a little more room for me and my legs. Um, if I want to get to Rwanda, if we want to get to Rwanda, I needed to believe with my feet, not just with my feelings. Family, there is a route that's laid out for us. Do we believe that? Do we believe that? That was a real question. That's not rhetorical. Do we believe that there's a route laid out for us? Thank you very much. Yeah, quiet. Like we were Presbyterians for a second. I wasn't <laughs> sure what's going Going to Medlin. I know. All right. All right. Shake it out. Shake it out. All right. Here we go. All right. We're all going somewhere. We all have a purpose, right? We all have a destination, and Jesus is inviting us to join him where he is we will also be. There is a song written by Curtis Mayfield that's been echoing in my mind for the past week. It's a great photo of him. 
It's people get ready. It goes, people get ready. There's a train a coming. You don't need no baggage. You just get on board. All you need is faith to hear the diesels humming. You don't need no ticket. You just thank the Lord. So people get ready for the train to Jordan, picking up passengers coast to coast. Faith is the key. Open the doors and boredom. There's hope for all among those love the most. There ain't no room for the hopeless sinner who would hurt all mankind to save his own. Have pity on those whose chances grow thinner, for there's no hiding place against the kingdom's throne. So people get ready. There's a train a-coming. You don't need no baggage. You just get on board. All you need is faith to hear the diesels humming. You don't need no ticket. You just thank the Lord. It's this level of gratitude. Yeah, you just thank the Lord. All you need is faith. But to the question Jesus puts before us, he says, believe in me. And Thomas, who gets the nickname of Doubting Thomas, asks for proof. Now, if I'm sitting in my easy chair, I'm playing armchair quarterback, looking over 2,000 years, I have a view that's different than Thomas's, right? I know the story. I know how it starts, and I know how to go through it, and I know how it ends, and so I can easily give Thomas the moniker of Doubting Thomas. But if I'm in the middle of that, I would also be considered a Doubting Herb. I don't even know if that <laughs> is a thing, but... I would ask Thomas, how is it that you doubt? Haven't you seen all the things that's been done? Is there anyone else who's done what Jesus has done? Right? Thankfully, Jesus is much better at this than I am. Jesus simply says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I can only say what my, only say what my Father says. As a matter of fact, if you follow me, believe in me, you'll do more than what I did. This believe in me, to me, means to be convinced. Peter asks Jesus, who else has the words of life? One of my daily devotions is by Pastor Aidan Wilson, or A.W. Tozer. And this past week, uh, this was the devotion. If while hearing a sermon we can fix on but one real jewel of truth, we may consider ourselves well rewarded for the time we've spent. One such gem was uncovered during a sermon which I heard some time ago. From the sermon, I got one worthy sentence and no more. But it was so good that I regret that I cannot remember who the preacher was, that I might give him credit. Here is what he said. Listen to no man who fails to listen to God. No man has any right to offer advice who has not first heard God speak. No man has any right to counsel others who is not ready to hear and follow the counsel of the Lord. True moral wisdom must always be an echo of God's voice. The only safe light for our path is the light 
which is reflected from Christ, the light of the world. God has his chosen men still, and they are without exception good listeners. They can hear when the Lord speaks. We may safely listen to such men, but to no others. Amen. This question that, that came out of Bible study last week at a local bar in North Austin uh, that I attend was this. What are our sources of wisdom? Who do we listen to? We know Jesus should be the answer. That's the Sunday school answer, right? Jesus. But oftentimes he isn't, practically, right? If I'm working on something, I'm going to go to YouTube to figure it out. If I'm looking for inspiration, I'm going to go to Pinterest, right? If I want to know some underground dirt that the mainstream media is not, media is not telling me, I'm going to go to TikTok. <laughs> no matter how you feel about TikTok, you can find out, like, for instance, France, Paris is on fire, right? And nobody's talking about it. Anyway, I go to Facebook to see what my friends are talking about, and I go to authorities on issues uh, when I want to learn how to love my neighbor better across racial and cultural lines. A friend of ours had this revelation recently. She said, I was really reading Baycoat and Macaulay thinking that there was no way that our very white, uninformed parish was ready to engage scripture with people living on the street, especially those who are black. She said, you, Herb, said we are sure we are, we said sure we are and told me that we would work through it in community, especially if anything racially insensitive is said or, said or done. The cross is big enough. And she said, I made racism bigger and the cross smaller. She said, the cross is what's big enough. Jesus is what's big enough, not all the problems. I see it with the verse, he must increase. And I must decrease. If Jesus is our source of wisdom, then how does our life, our actions, reflect that Jesus is the truth? How many of us pray without ceasing? How many of you pray through every decision that you make? I was just checking. Okay, I feel better knowing that we're all on the same page here with what's going on. Like, we know that our um, we live in a world that's based on giving us opportunity to literally take the reins, right? Like, I'm making decisions for my life all the time. And Jesus might be a secondary or tertiary response. But when I read the words of Jesus, Jesus says, he only does what the Father does and says what the Father says. Jesus says this in the face of people who would otherwise critique his message. In the face of people who would otherwise dismiss his words if it weren't for the miracles that Jesus performed. People were looking for a show. So I ask again, what does that look like for us to be convinced that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life? What would it look like in your day-to-day if you were convinced. How do we know, right? What would be different? A friend of mine uh, and I worked through this thing called a spin cycle. And, oh, there it is right there. Um, and it's a tool to understand 
uh, the truth of Jesus, right? And it works with any information, but we're applying this specifically to the truth of who Jesus is, right? And so we start with knowledge, like Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, right? There it is. That's the knowledge. Um, and if we don't respond to that, if we don't have an emotional response to that, then we spin out that knowledge. That's like me telling you that I wear a size 15 shoe, right? You're like, oh, that's great. But like, if you're like, dang, you wear a 15, you've moved from knowledge to awe. Does that make sense? We're like, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to him except, no one comes to the Father except through him. Wow, that's amazing. So what happens is we move emotionally by this truth, but we don't do anything with it. Right? There are people who come to church and they have this emotional response to Jesus and they get really excited, right? And then they go away and like, what was the sermon about? I don't know, but man, it was good. Right? It was an emotional response to the truth, but there was no action. And action, when you get to action, what you're doing is you're making a plan. You've heard some knowledge, you've had an emotional response to it, and you begin to make a plan. You haven't done anything yet, but you've made a plan. And when you move from action to accountability, you've heard some knowledge, you've had an emotional response to it, you've made a plan, and you've begun to tell someone else about the plan. You still haven't done anything yet, but you're like, hey, I think I'm going to do something about Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life. Right? And so you have some accountability. But if you never do anything with that, you just told somebody you made a plan, and then you put it on the shelf. You spin out at accountability. But to move from there to mission, what happens is you begin to do it. You begin to test it out. Like, if Jesus is who he says he is, then I can actually try this out. I'm kicking the wheels. I'm driving around the block, right? I haven't become convinced. But when you're convinced, that's when you move to assimilation and adoption. You're convinced that this is the way, the truth and the life, and you're inviting others into it. It's a lifestyle of gratitude based on a lived experience. And originally it was assimilation, but we put adoption up there because assimilation has some negative connotations in our world. You throw words out there and people get caught on the word instead of what it actually means. Yeah, that's, that's how it is. So there you go. So how do we believe in Jesus different than the demons? Because the demons believe and they shudder. Right? They have knowledge and awe. And if we don't move past knowledge and awe, we're in league with the demons. That's painful. Right? Like if that's all I got. Because the demons also respond like, ooh, that's Jesus. Yeah, that's, that's him. But they're not obedient to him. They're not following him. James 1.22 says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. See, I'm convinced that my actions should follow my belief. 
The classic analogy is a chair. Have you guys heard this analogy of the chair and faith, right? But if you haven't, I'm going to ask you, how many of you came in and tested the chair with your weight? You brought in and said, okay, will this chair hold me up? Right? Anybody do that? Uh, probably not. One per Thank you. I'm going to call you out. I saw your hand. It was Lucy, by the way. I just want you to know that's who raised her hand. Ah, you're in trouble. She don't have to even sit on the front row. She got Anyway, most of us don't do that. Most of us have an experience with sitting in chairs, right, that we have applied when we came in here like, oh, I've sat in chairs before. I know how chairs work. I've sat in plenty of chairs all my life. And so when I sit down in this chair, I expect it to apply the same way that it did the last time I sat in a chair. Right? I have a testimony of chairs holding me up. Yeah? And so then we invite other people to sit with us in chairs. I'm trying to make this relatable. I mean, I just want you to be able to, I mean, if you can't take anything home with you, like, oh, I remember the chair. I mean, praise God. Our believing in Jesus isn't based on empty rhetoric. Uh, no, our believing in Jesus is based on experience. Believing in Jesus is based on a long line of him showing up and showing out. Believing in Jesus is based on stepping out in faith, stepping into uncomfortable places with uncomfortable people, and seeing God actively at work in the lives of those around us. Does anyone here have a testimony of Jesus showing up in a way that we know that it was only him? Anybody have a testimony? Just a few of you? Anybody else have a testimony of Jesus showing up? Like you know that it was the Lord. I'm going to wait. For me, it's that testimony of him being faithful to those around us that carries me. Sometimes I'm faced with something that I haven't experienced. Yeah? Yeah? But if I have the testimony of people around me who've experienced that and God has been faithful to them, then I can lean on their testimony and I can apply that same thing to me. Yeah? We are saved by the word of our testimony and the blood of the Lamb. Or we're saved by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our... This is how we move from knowledge to awe. Jesus says to believe in him. I invite you to join me in taking little steps toward that train destined for a place prepared for us. Let this Sunday be a marker for you, a signpost, an opportunity to say yes to Jesus, perhaps for the first time, perhaps you're going to say yes to Jesus again in a new way. Yes, Jesus, I choose to believe that you are the way, the truth, and the life. Let my life reflect that belief. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.